otherwise on SAFM. Well, you're listening to Otherwise Talking Woman here on SAFM as we do every weekday between 1 and 2. The team with me in the studio today is Hazel Makazeni, Des Skippers, and I'm Kim Winter. Well, on the show today, according to the findings of a recent Medical Research Council school survey canvassing over 20,000 grade 8 to 10 pupils in the Western Cape, 66% of the teenage respondents had used alcohol. Of those who had consumed alcohol, more than one-third reported current use. Almost one-quarter reported drinking in the previous week, and almost one-quarter reported binge drinking in the two weeks prior to the study. Amongst the children that had used alcohol, almost one-third reported drinking before the age of 13. In the other half, spokesperson for the Industry Association for Responsible Alcohol Use, or ARA, Adrian Boerter, will join us to give us an insight into the ARA's work and guidelines for parents. If you have any questions or comments or stories you'd like to share, you can join our conversation on 0892 102010. First, though, lawyer Kerry Kopka has begun to work with a group of young women from the Etafeni Daycare Centre in Yanga, teaching a creative writing and poetry workshop every Saturday morning. The responses and apparently creativity coming out of the workshop has been really powerful, and so we thought we'd get Kerry on to the show today to tell us a little bit more about Miss Wright. And then Longstreet Nights, it hits the stage uh, from the 8th of May at the Baxter Theatre here in Cape Town. And writer-director Nikki Rebello joins us today to talk us through the secrets and the history of Longstreet. This is theatre based on reality and it weaves together six South African stories of the raw, the dangerous and the vibrant sides of Cape Town's most famous streets. So that's the lineup uh, today. Stay with us. I'm Tiers Ngamoni. It was 16 years ago that my father started working at Total as a forecourt attendant. Growing up, there wasn't a man I admired more. In 2009, Total awarded the bursary that helped me get my degree in economics. Today, I'm following in his footsteps working as an intern at Total. They're helping me reach my full potential and that's why I'm proud to be part of Total achieving level 2 triple BEE status. Tiers, we couldn't be prouder of you. Total. The journey of transformation continues. Gear yourself for 22 exciting regular Friday evening appointments because Nuit for Nuit is back. We're going to rock you again with brand new music challenges, bubbling contestants, brilliant guest artists and our red-hot band. Kick off your shoes, phones off the hook, on with your music hats and come and sing, play and laugh along with us. See you every Friday evening at 7.30 on SABC2 for the usual fun and games associated with Nuit for Nuit. Well, jazz is back in town, and you never know what you're going to get at the Standard Bank Grahamstown Jazz Festival. But hey, that's jazz for you. Experience the magic of Steve Tura, Vossi Machasela, Jonas Guangua, Mikasa, Shane Cooper, Barney Rachabene, Soweto String Quartet, and many more. That's 27 June to 6 July. Book now at CompuTicket. Standard Bank, moving forward. In Radio Vuka at a quarter to four this afternoon. Okay, here's the plan. I drive through the place where the shots were fired at me the last time, and you come with. What? You can sit in the back and couch down if you feel nervous. You crazy, bruh? No one will see you. You don't have to be seen to be shot, man. There's less chance of getting shot if you are invisible. I won't be invisible. I'll be in the back of your taxi.
system is Radio VUCA at a quarter to four. Otherwise, on SAFM. That's right, you're listening to Otherwise Talking Women here on SAFM. And first up, Kerry Kupka is a lawyer by profession, but she was drawn to starting the creative writing and poetry pilot program, Miss Wright, through her own love of words. We have Kerry on the line today to talk us through her experiences so far. Hi, Kerry. Hi, afternoon. Well, okay, so Miss Wright's in its pilot phase, I believe. And I think many of us along the way have our passions and we have our ideas, but seldom it really translates into action. What motivated you to start this pilot project, Miss Wright? Um, I was inspired by a similar organization called Wright Girl in America, and a friend of mine was doing volunteer work there, and mm. she brought it to Peru, and she said it worked really well, and I thought, well, if she's doing it, why can't I? I love writing. I've always been a writer, and it will work equally well here in Cape Town. Our youth are, you know, have got a strong history of writing, creativity, and um, it's just the right place to try something like this. And how did you come to connect with the Etefeni Daycare Centre? Um, <laughs> I've, I've known about them, but um, actually it's my brother's mother-in-law is a, a, a director on the, on the board of trustees there. That's a nice link. <laughs> it's a fantastic link. Um, it's very, I've, I've told the girls all about it, and they, and they all had a good laugh about it, um, that it's family, family connections. But, mm. you know, it's such a wonderful charity. I've, I've heard about it for a while from, from uh, Stephanie Kilrow, who's the, the, my brother's mother-in-law. And, you know, they, they're really they're based in Younger, but they have two other operations in South Africa, one in Frechant and the other one in Limpopo. And they, they involved with the HIV AIDS infected and in the community, and um, they, they've got all different types for women, for, for school kids, the daycare center, and um, I thought, well, I, I want to target young women, and there is a section that they, that of, of the population that they cater for there, and so it was a collaboration, really. Okay, and, and why did you, did you feel that it was important to focus on young women? Well, because... It, you know, in terms of writing group, the, the type of um, substance that is shared is often um, very personal. And so if, if you have both genders, you know, a lot of the emotions or feelings and expressions that you want to come out don't necessarily, you know, they're not confident enough to share them in that kind of environment. Mm. But also, um, if you look at our, the, the latest HIV AIDS you know, statistics and the high risk group and factors like that in South Africa is these young women in South Africa who are the at-risk group and there's a desperate need to focus and to, to have projects that empower them and seek to build confidence and they make, that they make the right choices. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about how Ms. Wright actually works. It's basically um, the, the materials, um, the writing materials, it's, it's, it's poetry and it's creative writing materials and every week we meet um, and we have a, what I call a little workshop and we, we, we um, do probably about two different writing exercises and um, sometimes it's uh, based, you know, we usually read a poem and it's got either alliteration, personification, simile, metaphor in that poem and then we write an example that's based on the poem that we read. Um, so, you know, a very successful one was personification and the girls had to write as if they were a, a, an inanimate object. Um, and they, a lot of them picked their cell phone. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> or, no surprise, is yeah, it? <laughs> and how, and, or, you know, a hat or item of clothing or, you know, a newspaper. It was very, and, and as if, you know, from that perspective. Um, and that was, it was challenging initially, but they soon got into it and the, the stuff that they produced was phenomenal. How many girls are you working with and how old are they? 
Um, there are about, well, you know, the, the, the sentence varies, but mm-hmm. there are about eight um, girls who come uh, regularly, um, eight to ten. And the, and the age group, the youngest is 13, and most of them are in high school. And then I've got one um, lady who's 24, um, who's part of the SSNE. They have a work readiness program. She came on that, and she joined us right. Okay. And the responses so far? From, from the girls? Yes, yeah. Oh, they you know, they come, they're quite regularly attending. That was my biggest concern is that they wouldn't want to come on a Saturday morning outside of school. Um, they often have to pay for their own taxi fare to get there. And they are so enthusiastic and excited. And it's just, it is, it has been much better received than I could ever anticipate. Do you have any poems in front of you that you could read for us? Yes, I do. And we actually have a reading this Saturday of some of their work. They're going to do it to their family and friends um, at Etafeni. Oh, brilliant. Is um, that open to public if they wanted to come along? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not really. Okay. Um, <laughs> but because, it's, you know, Etafeni has small um, facilities. So, yes. okay. uh, you know, but Step uh, one. Yeah, step, but um, uh, hopefully one day we'll have a, a public reading that's open, you know, to the yes. general public. Yes. Um, so anyway, I've got a poem here. Um, I've got two poems. I don't know if you want me to read both. Yeah, that'd be lovely. But the first one is called um, Let Tomorrow Come by Mokawe Masweli. Okay. Let tomorrow come. Let the future happen. Let life happen. Life is short and life is simple. You're the one who is responsible for it. Let tomorrow come to see the sunrise or to see the rainbow. See me suffer sickness and witness resurrection of life and death. My mother dies. My father is born. It breaks my heart to see my mother's magic is gone. Let tomorrow come to see my son crying out tears of blood until he figures out godly spirit unanticipated. Power takes my power and heals my soul. Rest in peace and be my soul because when I die tomorrow, my soul will rest in peace. So let tomorrow come and let life happen. Sure. Um, How old is she? She's the, old, the older one at 24. Mm. She, she um, matriculated in about 2011, 2012, and she's um, to 2011, and now she's, she hasn't studied, but she's thinking of doing social work. She told me now she wants to study and, and you know, make something of her life. Mm. Do, you find, like, do you find that these, these girls are opening up with you? Yes, yes. I mean, the, there's, there's, there's been a lot of hardships, you know, um, um, deaths, um, you know, abuse stories, and it comes on in their writing, um, and, you know, sometimes they just tell me. Um, so it's, it's and, and for me, that's the, the part, part of the writing is for, is for them as a place to, of self-expression, to share these emotions in a, in a safe and, and comfortable environment. And if there is something we, we're concerned about, you know, we do, I do talk to the facilitators at Etifeni. There is someone from Etifeni who attends the sessions. And, um, you know, if there's a need to follow up on something, it is, it is discussed with the girls. Before we get to that, that, that other poem yes. you've got there, how, do you hope to make this sustainable? I mean, this is a pilot project. What are your plans around that? My plans are to do different. So this was a mainly a creative writing and poetry uh, pilot program, and I'm going to try to do essay writing, maybe lyric writing, and other forms of writing this year. Mm-hmm. And in terms of sustainability, I'm going to post the materials online and because it works, it's a, it's a tried and tested formula, these girls responded so well to it and if other schools or NGOs want to download and register for free the materials, they can. Okay. Um, and wh- where, what website would that be? Okay, it's the Miss Wright website. Mm-hmm. So it's um, Miss Wright, W-R-I-T-E, mm-hmm. S-A dot Weebly dot com. Weebly. Yeah, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. 
B-L-Y.com. Okay. We're going to be posting there because of the sustainability factor, because it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's a very small organization and I'm fully employed, so I have to do it on my Saturday, my, on my weekends. Mm. And, um, I just think it's a great idea, the materials work, and I want, I'm wanting to inspire other people to do it in their own communities, in their own schools, in their own organizations. It's something that can pop up wherever there's somebody who's keen and, yes. and just loves writing. Yes, exactly. Can we hear that other poem that you have? Yes, and um, this is the other poem is Mirror on the Wall by Sibongile Ndaliso. Um, she's 13 years old. Okay. I'm beautiful. I'm smiling and laughing. I'm just beautiful the way I am, without any piercings. I have some freckles caused by the sun. I have braids. I'm just natural, and I like the way I am. I have small eyes. I have big, dark eyes. I'm active and happy. My image says that I'm young, black, brave girl. I love who I am and the I am. Only the mirror can see the pain in my eyes, can see my life through disguise. Only the mirror can see me when I'm happy and sad. Mirror on the wall. Cheapest from a 13-year-old. It's just so lovely. It's, it's it's we, his sister, her older sister, Sikilewa, is also in the um, class, and she was just like, I can't believe a 13-year-old has written this. But this is, you know, this is after a couple of weeks, and, I mean, just to see her writing and her confidence improve has just been overwhelming. And all of them, they, they all, you know, they, they sit down and they write, and they, and, they, and they all share, and they all participate, and there's no... In, you know, in other, uh, my friends who did the program in America in Peru, they said they had to bribe people with stickers to get them to share, and you know, and it's not just not not here. You know, the girls are sharing what they're writing, and they're con- and they're proud of what they've written. Well, that is such good news, and thank you so much for sharing those poems and and what you've been up to with us as well. And best of luck with the readings this weekend. Thank you very much. Cool, and keep in touch. I will. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you. Okay. All right, that was Kerry Kupta. She's lawyer by profession, but as you heard there, she started a creative writing and poetry pilot program called Miss Write in Younger. And if you would like to get your hands on those materials or connect with her, you can visit www.misswrite, that's M-I-S-S-W-R-I-T-S-A dot Weebly dot com. Hi, my name is Dolan Iguala. I'm a Shake the World ambassador. I'm really excited about this campaign because it raises substantive issues affecting us as society. If we were to get our leaders to commit to the Millennium Development Goals, we'd go a very long way towards dealing with some of the most fundamental problems facing us. Goal number one, eradicating poverty and hunger, is the closest to my heart simply because for me and millions of other South Africans, this is not academic. This is an everyday reality. I therefore pledge to work with anyone who can help in any way eradicate this problem. And this is how I'm shaking the world. How do you shake the world? This is SAFM. And this is Otherwise Talking Woman here on SAFM. Well, from poetry to theatre, Long Street Nights hits the stage from the 8th of May at the Baxter Theatre here in Cape Town. Writer and director Nikki Ribello joins us today to talk us through some of the secrets and the history of Long Street. Welcome, Nikki. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. All right, so Long Street Nights, uh, it's a production that is said to have revived the legacy and the workshopping techniques of Barney Simon. So before we hear more about the, the play, how, how is that actually reviving his legacy? Well, I worked with Barney at the Market Theatre in the early 1980s, and I did a play with him called Outers, which I had written as a student. I had researched um, sitting with hobos in Jubea Park and getting a whole lot of material 
And then um, we did a show at the Market Theatre in 1985 called Outers, and it was about a group of hobos in Jubair Park. And um, Lara Foote, the CEO director of the Baxter Theatre, was a schoolgirl at the time, a matric girl, and she saw the play, and it's what inspired her to get involved in the theatre, she tells me. And so uh, many years later, I've just moved to Cape Town in the last year, um, she called me in and said she would like me to do a play working with uh, a group of six actors here in Cape Town, um, and using the similar kind of techniques uh, of workshopping a play. So starting with no script at all, actors going out into the street, finding stories, which then I work together into, into a script, and uh, we're busy rehearsing the play at the moment. It sounds like an ethnographic exercise as such. Well, it's about uh, going out, viewing, uh, and gathering material, writing mm. down thoughts, ideas, whatever came into their heads, whatever they heard, whatever they they felt. I uh, had the actors write it down, and from that, I then uh, created the script. Yes. So, so the actors went, actually went out into Long Street and did research. Yeah, we all did. I was there with them too. We we would gather each night at 9 p.m on Long Street, and we would stay out on the street until 2 in the morning every day. But we did that for two weeks. Oh. So we really got to know the street, really got to understand the pulsating life, the underbelly. We got to know who the street people were, who the drug dealers were, you know, who the regulars were, what was going on. And uh, so, yeah, we we really uh, uncovered the life of that street. And, and what stood out for you? I mean, specifically, we're, we're talking... Women here. Were there any women that you met? Any women's stories that have you've chosen to incorporate as a character into Long Street? Yeah, there are two. There were there three women in the cast and three men in the cast. So okay. they are reflecting. We we have one character is really reflecting. Uh, the young, the young girls who are on the street. Uh, that is very much a. a, a what can, what can I say? Is Long Street, if I think, of, if you ask me what is Long Street, I see a lot of young girls. Uh, it's interesting, when I was growing up, girls went out with boys if they went out to a party or to a, or to a club or something. And uh, now the trend is where girls in groups of four, five, six are out on their own um, enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. And so one of the characters uh, it represents that. Then another character is um, is rather karaoke that's that's sung in uh, in in Long Street. Oh really? I didn't know and that. And there's a particular bar. Well, yeah, there are quite a few venues that do. And there's one particular bar that has karaoke on a on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Thursday. And there's a very interesting woman that uh, runs the karaoke there. And so one of the characters is based on her. And then uh, drugs is a big issue in in Long Street. Mm -hmm. So one of the characters um, is somebody who operates in that world. And then obviously there are barmen because there are lots of bars. Mm -hmm. And there are people who come there searching other things, searching romance. And uh, and then other people who have ambitions, uh, political ambitions, and they also hang out. So it really is a, a cross-section of everybody. Did you come across a little bit of the history of Long Street? Do you know how old it is? No. This is not really an attempt to... Uh, the, these characters happen to be in Long Street. The play is not about Long Street as such. Okay. Yeah. They just happen to... This happens to be the background for characters. They could have, it could have been any other street. Obviously, Long Street has its particular character and, uh, and life, 
but um, it's, uh, we're not attempting to do a historical sort of uh, panorama uh, uh, tour, yeah. tourist kind of picture of Longstreet. Do you think you'll get any of the characters to come and watch the play? Did they have any idea you were doing the research? No, people okay. didn't know we were doing the research. And then if, if they do, it would be coincidence, and yes. uh, hopefully they, they do come. Uh, obviously, we've taken real-life situations, and then there's an element of fiction in it as we then take it further and try and imagine what else is going on in their heads. Mm. And and this production is going to, to launch in Cape Town on the 8th of May, I believe. This, uh, that's right. We, we, we start previewing on the 8th of May and open on the 11th. And are they planning to take it to the rest of South Africa? Well, I don't know, I don't know about that. It's, it's a Baxter production, and that's in the hands of the Baxter. At the moment, I'm just, as the, the director, writer, I'm just working on getting the play right. I haven't thought about the future of it yet. Not yet. Okay. And uh, the, I believe the cast is really quite incredible. Can you give us an idea of who you've got? Well, there's Tami Mbongo and uh, Tanda Doni, mm-hmm. Rihanna Alfreds, Daniel van der Volt, Natasha Dryden, and Antonia Fisher. So a lot of them are, are young and unknown, but hopefully they won't remain unknown for, for much longer after this. Yes. And, and what, what were you thinking, what were you wanting um, the audience to take away from, from this play, from Long Street Nights? What they must take away, they'll all take away different things, I'm sure. It's, 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 a, it's a true reflection of life on the, on the street, and, uh, and it's, it, I think it's very powerful and, and eye-opening. Um, it's, uh, I'm working for a, a total commitment and honesty from, from the actors, so hopefully, because that is the style of theatre that, that Barney Simon was interested in. Mm. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to have the same energy and commitment and, and focus and passion, and and so the audience will certainly come away from it feeling that they have seen some, a, a powerful piece of theatre. You've, you've been working in, in theatre in South Africa for quite a while, and I'd imagine that you've seen quite a lot of changes. What's your what's your belief of the future uh, of theatre in South Africa? Well, theatre will just continue as long as there are, there are people who want to make theatre, and as long as there are people who want to see theatre, it will continue. And it's very encouraging especially that I found since being in Cape Town now for, for a year, the amount of uh, venues, theatre venues that are opening and uh, the amount of opportunities for young people coming out of university who are prepared to go and try and create their own work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer the thing of waiting for a producer to phone you up and say, oh, we're doing such and such a play from some American playwright or British playwright and come and audition and do this play. It's, it's, it's really encouraging that... Um, New plays are being created all the time. Indigenous work coming coming from South African artists who have, who have got stories to tell. Mm. So that's, that's very encouraging. Good news, Nikki. Thank you so much. I'm going to give out the details regarding Long Street Nights ticket prices, etc. But thank you for joining us and telling us a little bit more about the production. Thanks a lot. Keep well. Okay. Bye bye. That was writer-director Nikki Ribello on Long Street Nights. It hits the stage from the 8th of May at the Baxter Theatre here in Cape Town. For more information, you can go to www.baxter.co.za. Just to give you an idea, it will be on the Baxter Golden Arrow Studio, or in the Baxter Golden Arrow Studio. Previews the 8th, 9th, and 10th of May, and then it opens on Saturday the 11th of May and runs until the 1st of June. Ticket prices are 120 Rand, with a preview special of two for the price of one. 
and the same for Tuesdays, 14th and the 21st of May. There's also a student special until the 18th of May of 45 Rand. And you can book through CompuTicket, that's 0861915-8000 or www.computicket.co.za. Otherwise, just visit the Baxter website, which is www.baxter.co.za. Well, it's just gone 1.30 and it's time for the news headlines with Aurelie. Thanks, Aurelie. Well, right now we are going to join our sports correspondent, Natalie Germanis, for an update on the Soweto Open Tennis. Over to you, Natalie. Well, good afternoon to you too, Kim. And it's now on centre court, a very interesting battle between Rick de Fust of South Africa, who's the number seven seed for the tournament, and Vasek Pospisil from Canada, who's seeded number three for this week. First of all, Pospisil took the first set 6-3. Both players' serves were broken early on, but eventually Pospisil got the crucial break in the eighth game to lead 5-3 and then served it out to take that first set 6-3. In the second set, things have changed around completely. Rick DeFuss got three breaks of serve and took the set 6-love. And now it's on serve in the final set. This will be the decider for this match and to see who goes through to the semi-finals. At the moment, Rick DeFuss is leading one love, but Pospisil is struggling to keep his serve at the moment. Things certainly have changed around a lot. Earlier on today, we saw an upset on centre court with the number two seed, Rajiv Ram, being knocked out by Marta Pavic of Croatia. In the end, Pavic won 7-6. He took the first set tiebreaker 7-4 and then won the second set 7-5. Out on court number two, Michael, Mikhail Przysny of Poland, the number four seed beat Dustin Brown, the number five seed of Germany. Pusisny took the first set 6-3 and then won the second set in a tiebreaker, winning that tiebreaker 7-1. Natalie Germanis for SAFM Sport. Thank you so much, Natalie. Well, otherwise, we'll be back with you just after this. The Forum at 8 is where we bring the nation together to have a discussion freely. Do you agree that there's a cultural majority that dominate the discourse in this country? Of course I don't. I'm trying to understand what Aubrey is saying. And I think we often speak in discussions like these from very rarefied heights, almost like ivory towers. So I was very concerned that I was only hearing one part of the debate, how white men were being excluded from appointment to the judiciary. So I set out very hard with my colleagues to go and find black people who would speak the other side of the story. Very hard to do. It's a common problem I have. Therefore, who owns the space and who doesn't take opportunity to own that space? Join Kolani Gwala and air your views between 8 and 9 a.m. The Forum at 8, a nation in conversation at AFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, on SAFM. That's right, it's otherwise Talking Women here on SAFM. And uh, for the second half, spokesperson for the Industry Association for Responsible Alcohol Use, or ARA, Adrian Boerter, joins us today to give us an insight into the ARA's work and guidelines for parents. If you've got any questions, comments, or stories that you'd like to share, please do join the conversation at 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Kim. Thanks for the invitation. Well, thanks so much for coming. On to the show, I think this is a really important thing to discuss. Can you, maybe before we get into the nitty-gritty, just give us a, an overview of the reality when it comes to teenage drinking here in South Africa? Well, we have a problem with teenage drinking, um, not dissimilar from anywhere else in the world, although looking at this most recent study um, in the Western Cape, it looks like it is in fact getting out of hand. And so... It's a critical um, area that we have to pay attention to, and we've got to look at it holistically uh, rather than just trying to jump on simplistic solutions to try and, and prevent 
um, those under the age of 18 from consuming alcohol. And give us an idea about what this recent study has revealed. Well, it showed a, a I think it was around 66% of um, learners between the ages of 13 and 15 were consuming alcohol, which is alarming. And I think it's actually a very good illustration of how a, a simplistic solution like simply raising the legal drinking age would have absolutely no impact because if your problems um, are 13 and 15 year olds, then raising it from 18 to 21 is going to have absolutely no impact on them. So one has to look at what are the underlying causes and how best to address them. Okay, and that's where the AIA comes in. Yes, well, we've we've obviously uh, do everything that we possibly can to to combat alcohol abuse and misuse uh, across the board. But obviously, underage drinking is a it plays is, a, is an important part of that. And uh, where we try and um, concentrate our efforts are on um, assisting certain NGOs that deal with with um, with learners and those under the age of 18, and then also trying and from an education and awareness creation to try and get most importantly parents to actually talk to their children about, about alcohol. It's, they play an absolutely critical role. Um, if, you, if you look at all the research, you'll find that the, 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 most influ- the, the, the biggest influence on whether youngsters, in fact, consume or after they've reached the 18, uh, the 18 years of age, how they will consume later on in life if they choose to do so is, 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 are the parents. The parents play an absolutely critical role, and I think what, what we're finding is we, we all live such incredibly busy lives that you know, very few of us, for example, um, sit down at the end of the day around the dinner table and actually talk without having televisions on or texting or whatever. So those are the critical things that we must look at um, uh, in terms of trying to get people to understand and take responsibility. And I, I would imagine as well it is about the parents themselves' relationship with alcohol that will affect their children's relationship. Absolutely spot mm-hmm. on. I mean, it's not just talking to your kids about it. It's actually setting an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, our, our television campaign, which has run now for the last 18 months to two years, actually uh, concentrates on that. It shows adults embarrassing their, their, their kids um, because they've consumed one one too many. And so, yes, absolutely critical that it's not only addressing the issue, but it's also setting the example. Adrian, we have a caller on the line. Uh, Lennon from Nelspreet. Hello? Hello? Hi, hello. Are you talking to Lennon? Hi, Lennon. Could you just turn your radio down for me, please? Okay, so can... There you go. Lennon, do you have a question for us? Yeah, I would uh, actually... I'm wondering... You see, uh, this underage uh, kind of, these are the most uh, majority people, in, especially in Nelspreet. Yes. Uh, those are, in terms of uh, someone who's doing his business, selling beers, um, uh, these guys are the most guys who are normally supporting. So, so you're saying that the, the youngsters, especially in Nelspreet, are the ones that are actually um, purchasing beer? Is yeah, actually, the question is, uh, is there was like something uh, else we can do to our youth is okay, and uh, not to uh, actually it's a serious thing. Uh, the way they are doing it is like uh, it's themselves they are owning. I mean, yeah, Lennon, I think I've got your question. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to ask Adrian really, and we were speaking about it before um, Lennon phoned in as well. Is 
the 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 projects and programs to reach these kids to reach the parents what what are what's happening on the ground to kind of change this and combat this rising number of teenage drinkers well for example in besides our, our, our television campaign um, we've also uh, helped produce um, two guides one is called teenagers and alcohol and is available on our website as is a very uh, recently launched leaflet um, called Women in Alcohol because it's important, Kim, to understand that and get, get youngsters particularly to understand that um, alcohol affects men and, and women differently. So it's, okay. it's, and women have got to be particularly careful. So these in are, what way, are, are simple guides where you can actually pick them up on the website and, and okay. hopefully start a conversation about the issues. Mm. And and these guys, I'd imagine, go into schools as well, because schools play a really key role here. Well, absolutely. Interesting enough, the Teenagers and Alcohol Guide was originally um, put together by Bishop's School in, in, in Cape Town. Um, they got a number of academics, um, medical personnel, um, people like Charles Parry and, and, um, and, and the like, to help them put together this, this document, which um, would this guide, which actually did, encourages conversation. And similarly, the Women in Alcohol leaflet was put together by Springfield Convent in the Western Cape. So yes, schools play a huge role, and um, certainly the pilot that we ran with the Teenagers and Alcohol Guide is we ran in about 22 schools in the Western Cape because it's important to realize or to understand that it's not just dealing with one particular school because youngsters um, party with friends from other schools. So you've got to try and get a consistent view on alcohol across the various schools, yes. And so schools play a major role. You mentioned there that there's a difference between the effect of alcohol on men and women. Can you yes. give us a basic idea of what that difference is? Well, you know, women have, have uh, carry more fat and therefore less water. So it's, 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 uh, they have a greater difficulty in diluting the alcohol. They also have a, a lower level of alcohol dehydrogenase. And generally, too, they're all also a lot smaller. So alcohol affects them um, a lot quicker than, uh, for example, for, for men. And the other interesting thing, which um, certainly when we did the launch um, of Women in Alcohol at Springfield Convent in about two weeks back, we had a medical um, doctor talking to us, and she actually made the point, which I think is quite interesting, that um, young young women tend to use a lot more medication than men, you know, for um, that time of the month that you're using Mipradol and things like that. And with those those particular medications, those medications actually may uh, exacerbate the problem if, if they consume alcohol as well. So, yes, there are fundamental differences, and we should all uh, uh, take note of that. But there are also fundamental damages or, or um, dangers of young people consuming alcohol. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, you, you look at the impact uh, on them, you know, it's a developing brain, um, all that type of thing, and alcohol does it absolutely no good at all. Mm. And uh, I, I suppose that information would be included in the pamphlets and the leaflets that Absolutely you have produced. Mm -hmm. Why do you think we've got such a problem here in the Western Cape with teenage drinking? Well, I think, you know, one has to, one has to look at um, w w really what are the underlying causes. And I think if you look at the underlying causes, a, lo a lot to do with, with stress, a lot to do with a, a sense of hopelessness. I, you know, um, the, as well as Zimbabwe, two years back at, the, at a major summit on alcohol abuse um, in the Western, in, in KZN, said, yes, you know, he's fully supportive of any effective means of reducing alcohol-related harm. 
But unless we address, you know, the education, employment, and and reduce social deprivation and a sense of hopelessness, you know, he mentioned, for example, that um, 70% of South Africans under the age of 30 are unemployed, and a lot of them are unemployable. And that leads to a sense of hopelessness. And then obviously, well, not obviously, but often then leads to substance abuse. So, yes, there is a problem, and we would have to continue to do everything we can to address it. And, you know, obviously, education plays a big role, but also enforcement. I mean, that's absolutely critical. I mean, we do have a legal drinking age. It should be enforced. And I know that Lennon was talking about um, selling beer and nail spray to underage. I mean, that's absolutely out of the question. I mean, that those people who sell to underage should be punished. Well, you mentioned earlier that changing the legal uh, drinking age in South Africa is not going to make much of a difference here, but but stricter laws can change the reality in terms of people actually selling alcohol. I think that the laws are there, Kim. Mm, It's just the enforcement that's missing. Mm. So uh, I don't think we need any new laws. We've got an age limit. We have a, a limit for drinking and before driving. You know, these things must be enforced. They are there, and we must, we must enforce them and punish pe- uh, the, the perpetrators. Well, if you have a question regarding teenage drinking, you can join the conversation 0892 That's 0892-10-2010. Adrian, if a parent is worried about their child um, or maybe the group of friends that the, that the uh, child is hanging out with, what are the signs to look out for in a, in a teenager? Well, I, you know, I think there, there, there are there are certain uh, warning signs. I, you know, I think you must one has to look at things like um, fatigue, um, things like, you know, are they uh, is there obviously a, you know smell alcohol has a pungent smell, so clearly that type of thing. Um, you know, and if they're lethargic and they, you know, they don't seem to be concentrating on their studies or they, um, you know, not uh, pursuing sports or something like that, if they've done that before, then those type of things should be mm-hmm. taken into account. A lot of, as I say, a lot of those things are actually contained in that guide. So there are uh, particular things to look 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 at. The so-called warning signs. Okay, I mean, being a teenager, it's quite a difficult time in your life, and also you've been speaking about, you know, parents' own relationship with alcohol. So I'm, I'm wondering what the responses uh, by the children and also by the parents have been in terms of um, these pamphlets, these leaflets, and these programs that you're running. Generally, very favourable. Okay. Um, I, I think our challenge is to get them spread as widely as possible, circulated as widely as possible. You know, clearly we are a very, very small organisation, and we have to rely on on the schools themselves to try and distribute. Um, you know, so we would certainly encourage, um, you know, both national and provincial governments to, you know, assist with the the, dog, the the guides are there. So. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to produce them. They are there. It's just a matter of getting them out. So um, we have, for example, the um, the uh, Western Cape government has distributed a number of the guides, so they are actually on board. And the more we can get, the better. We in fact had an interesting uh, had an interesting email a while back from a group of um, teachers in Brazil. Uh, who asked whether they'd come across our guide on the on the web and uh, had asked whether they we would give them permission to translate it into Portuguese, which of course we did. Fantastic. So you know, mm-hmm. I think the the big thing is if we can all play a role and actually just 
getting these things out, it just it creates awareness around the problem, and I think that's critical. Absolutely. And we've got Carol on the line as well. Hi, Carol. Hi, hello. It's Carol from South Africans Against Drunk Driving. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Carol. Um, I think it's very nice that Aura have got the pamphlets into the schools, but I just, as, as we've discussed with you many times, unfortunately your units of alcohol are incorrect, and that's very important when you are looking at drink driving or looking at the number of units that um, people can drink safely. So SAD has been trying to work with, with Soul City and um, MRC have now agreed that, that the units are incorrect in your, in your pamphlet. Correct. But we have put up our, um, our road safety and drink driving uh, manuals into 2,500 schools where the correct information is there. And we would like to work with Aura. And um, I know that, that you know, South African Brewery, who are part of Aura, help us to work in eight universities. So yeah. congratulations for the start of the conversation. And we thoroughly, uh, um, we really think that, teen- that nobody should drink alcohol before the age of 21 because the young brain is still developing. And so we are totally behind the Minister of Health mm. about um, nobody drinking under um, 21. And we disagree with Adrian about advertising. Advertising, in fact, um, scientifically research shows that the people who are very influenced by alcohol advertising are the young people. And the young people are the ones we want to stop drinking. Okay. Because alcohol, when they binge drink, which is unfortunately what young people do, um, creates brain damage, which then can lead to alcoholism. So mm. 21 age group is what we really would like. Okay. Caro, thank you so much for, for phoning in and sharing that with us. And it's good to know that the, uh, you have an organization out there uh, against drunk driving. Um, thank you so much for joining the conversation. Thank you. That was Caro from South Africans Against Drunk Driving. Um, and, it's, and it's great, as you said, that there's so much movement to 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 really get on top of this um, rising problem, Adrian, and and maybe in the future you guys can work together. Yes, we have we have worked and we have worked together in the past. Fantastic. Um, I just just point out that the mm. this whole thing about units. Uh, I don't want to get into an argument or anything. No. To agree to disagree, but certainly there aren't um, there aren't uh, proper guidelines in South Africa, and and units of alcohol differ from eight. Uh, milligrams in the in the UK to 19 milligrams in Japan. So there's no accepted level, and unfortunately, our Department of Health has not come up with a a firm recommendation. So, um, and it's an interesting it's an interesting question as well yeah. because I believe that it can differ from person to person in terms of your weight or how much food you've consumed. I mean, it's 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 quite a tricky thing to to gather. I understand. Absolutely, yeah. and, but it, it's a guideline, and mm. I, I would welcome. And in fact, I have had a correspondence with the Department of Health and with Professor Perry from the Medical Research Council about trying to come up with a what is the South African unit. You know, mm. it's, it's a guideline. It affects people differently, but certainly it is a guideline. So there is no set one yet in this country 